0: Following is a chapter reading by the Worm Audiobook Project. Please support the original author at parahumans.wordpress.com. Thank you and enjoy. 10.6 The residual foam on my glove made my hand sticky as I reached into the compartment and my back and grabbed my baton. It took me two tries to get my thumb onto the button so I could whip it out to its full length. I strode towards Bitch, weapon in hand. Tattletail hurried to catch up to me, turning to keep an uneasy eye on the ongoing fight with the Protectorate. Hey, Skitter! Tattletail grabbed my shoulder. I whirled to face her, hand clenching my baton. I could see the change in her expression as some piece fell in place for her. Shit, she swore. Hey, listen. She didn't get a chance to finish. White smoke billowed around us. My first thought was that our adversaries were using some sort of bug spray. The way today was going, it would be just my luck. I held my breath and hurried out of the cloud, Tattletale following, and searched for the source. Assault was taking on Regent and Imp while Gru and Shadowstalker were dealing with Battery and Weld. Bitch and her dogs, on the other hand, were facing down Triumph, not the matchup I would have chosen, taking on the guy with the sonic shout, using dogs with sensitive hearing. I almost went after Bitch right then and there, but self-preservation won out over any desire for retribution. As Tattletail and I made our way around the cloud, I spotted Miss Militia. A black-green energy crackled in her hand, and she lobbed a grenade my way. I scrambled back, only for it to turn out to be another canister of smoke, billowing out between Miss Militia and me. Why the smoke? The bees I had in the smoke were acting funny. I was surprised to find out why. I'd known that beekeepers used smoke to pacify the bees before collecting the honey. My assumption had been that it acted as a tranquilizer, putting them to sleep. In reality, it was forcing them to revert to instinctual behavior. It made them want to eat and feed and to flee. For those near enclosed spaces or even the corners of walls or the foundations of buildings, it made them adjust their wing beats to divert the flows of oxygen. If she'd been intending to use the smoke to screw with my insects, she'd underestimated my power. I cancelled out the instincts and sent the bugs through the smoke, blind, feeling out for her. I found her running towards us, through the smoke. "'She's coming!' I shouted. In retrospect, that was a mistake. Much as I might have warned Tattletail and the others, I'd also informed Miss Militia on my location. I turned to run, but she was already raising her gun to fire with an ear-shattering crack. From the way it cut past my bugs, and the wake of the disturbed air the pellets left behind them, I could only guess she just grazed me with a shotgun. I collapsed sideways to the ground, and the pain came a heartbeat later, radiating over half of my upper body, from my shoulder to my right butt cheek. I was guessing it was non-lethal ammunition. It could well have been lethal, for the sheer degree of hurt it delivered, if my costume had prevented it from penetrating. Before she could shoot again, I directed my bugs to her hands and eyes, hoping to incapacitate her. I still had a small few of the capsaicin-loaded bugs and sent them all her way. As hard as it was to see in the smoke, there was still faint light. The light disappeared the instant Gru used his power. Miss Militia was staggering and reeling as her hands and face lit up with stings and burns. The gun wasn't in her hands anymore, which meant we weren't at risk of getting shot. I sent more bugs across the other members of the Protectorate to try to disable them. Tattletail fumbled around and found me in the darkness, clasped her hand around the same hand I had held the baton with, and helped me to my feet. She gave me her support as we limped away. Nothing seemed to be broken, judging by what I felt. The darkness disappeared after we traveled across the street. Gru greeted us. Dragon? Kaput, thanks to Tattletail, I spoke. He looked back the way we'd come. Damn, that smoke. Listen, Tattletail, head down this street, wait for us. Skidder and I are going back to find and retrieve the others. I suppose that would be another benefit of using the smoke. If you didn't expect to be able to see, then it didn't hurt to deny your enemies that same privilege. Miss Militia had been thinking about this. If her team wasn't so sparse on members, she could have done a lot more damage. My bugs are telling me they're over there, there, and there. I pointed in the direction of our teammates. That's all I can do for you. I kinda got shot. Not sure I'm up to running around. His head snapped around to face me. Shot? I'm okay. It was non-lethal, I think, I assured him. Go! He did, glancing over his shoulder to look at me before disappearing back into the mists of the darkness. Tattletail and I made our escape. We got three blocks away before we found a spot to hide. Tattletail got out her phone and began sending messages, presumably to Gru and Coil. Our hiding place was the lobby of an apartment building. Boards had been placed over the windows, and there were signs that some people had camped out here not long ago. It was otherwise similar to Groove's apartment complex. Less tidy, obviously. "'You okay?' Tattletale asked me. "'That question seems to come up a lot. "'I'm sorry. I knew the gun would inevitably overheat, and what little I could read off of Dragon told me she'd deal with that above anything else. I didn't think you'd be stuck there, too.' "'No.' Your gun thing saved my skin. The real problem was... I trailed off. I still had the baton in my hand, but the residual containment foam meant I'd probably have to peel the glove away from the weapon. I clenched the weapon tight. We sat in silence for nearly ten minutes before the rest arrived as a masked group. Shadowstalker was limping, and two of the dogs were their normal size, draped across Bentley's back, but everyone was more or less intact. Bitch's eyes widened fractionally as she saw me. I was already standing, barely feeling the hurt from where I had been grazed, blood pounding in my ears, and I can feel the buzz of my insects. How? She started. I didn't let her finish. My baton held in both hands, I struck her in the upper thigh. When she didn't fall, I let go of the baton and backhanded her. She toppled, and protests and shouts echoed around me. It hurt. Damn it. I'd never really hit someone with my hands before. I wondered if I managed to break something. There were still bugs on some of my teammates. I could sense them approaching, Gru and Imp moving to stop me. I ducked out of the way of their hands before they could grab me, and then held up my baton, menacing at them. I cast a momentary glance toward Shadowstalker, then augmented my voice with the buzzing and chirping of my swarm. Don't! What the hell are you doing? Gru roared. Ask her. My response was barely above a growl. Gru glanced down at Bitch, who was rubbing her chin, opening her jaw wide as if testing it. I dropped down to my crouch so quickly that my knees slammed into the ground. I grabbed the upper end of the baton and pulled it over Bitch's head, forcing the bar between her teeth, pulling back hard. Gru moved to stop me once more, and I shook my head. He hesitated, then stopped. Bentley was pacing towards me snarling at the attack on his owner. I met his gaze with my own, unflinching, and he didn't lunge to attack, maybe because he didn't want to hurt his master in the process. I didn't break eye contact with the dog as I spoke with the swarm buzzing in accompaniment. Regent, this isn't for Shadowstalker's ears. Got it, Regent spoke. Shadowstalker moved to the bench by the elevators, sat down, and buried her face in her arms, covering her ears. Regent informed me, She can't hear much of anything now. Bitch, I pulled on the bar, eliciting more struggling from bitch, just tried to fuck me over in the fight with Dragon. Shoved me into the foam. Bitch made a muffled noise, then jabbed me in the side, where I'd been grazed by Miss Militia's shotgun. It hurt, and in the interest of keeping her from doing it again, I shifted my position so I could force bitch onto her back against the ground, her head pinned down by my baton. She could still hit me and jab me but my shins could take a lot more abuse than her jaw could. I belatedly realized I'd taken my eyes off Bentley, but he didn't maul me. When I looked up, I saw Tattletail had a grip on his chain. You're a coward, Rachel, I spoke. You just did the very same thing you hated me for almost doing. You stabbed me in the back. You fucked over your own teammate. She mumbled something around the bar. The look in her eye made me seriously worry she would kill me when I let her go. I'm in a position to hurt you now and I'm pissed enough to do it. I spoke, my voice low, but I won't. This vendetta against me ends now. You got your shot at me, you fucked it up. You're still mad at me, you fucking better cope, got it? She snarled out two muffled words, I suspected they were rude. When I spoke next, I bent low and whispered the words for her, and her alone. When you're tossing and turning and trying to sleep, Remembering what I did and said here and getting pissed off about it? Remember that you were the weak one. You embarrassed yourself. Fucked up. You were the weakling. The wuss who couldn't even confront me face to face. And knowing you like I do? I'm betting it's going to gnaw at you. That's as much punishment as I could inflict, I think. That's on you, not me. You said it yourself a while back. It's a mistake to underestimate me. You want another shot at it? It better be really damn good. Because if it isn't, I'm going to survive. I'm going to get away. And then I might break your jaw for real. For starters. I stood, removing the baton from her mouth and stepping away, to give her room to stand. Leaning against the wall, I pressed the button and collapsed the baton into the handle. I stared at her. Working her jaw, she stood and glared at me. She either didn't have a response for me, or she did, and her jaw hurt too much for her to try giving it. None of the others were jumping into the middle of this. In the face of the silence, I offered one final comment. I think I've already covered what happens if you want to continue this vendetta. Now I'm going to offer you a deal. Number three, I think. And my deals with you are usually pretty fair, if I may say so myself. Her eyes narrowed. I fucked up. You fucked up. Whatever. Insult for insult. Blow for blow. I'd like to think we're even. So now I'm going to trust you to have my back. I'm going to put myself in more situations where you have a prime chance at fucking me over, backstabbing me, catching me at my most vulnerable, because we can't function as a team any other way. I'm going to treat you like a damned teammate, Rachel. But I'll go one step further. You think you can put this behind you and satisfy yourself with whatever you tried to pull earlier tonight? Cool. Because if you're willing, I'll come with you to help take care of your dogs. I'll bring fucking lunch if you want it. That's the deal I'm offering you. Pissed as I am right now, I'll be your damn friend. She looked away, down at the ground, scowling. Take it or leave it. She decided to leave it, apparently. Bitch stomped away, slamming the door the moment Bentley passed through it, leaving the rest of us standing there in the rubbish, strewn apartment building. Gru sighed audibly and looked over our group. We better go. We should decide what we're going to do with Shadowstalker now. We could keep her, Imp spoke. Regent shook his head. Nope. There are drawbacks to this, and one of them is that I lose control of anyone I'm controlling while I sleep. Better to get rid of her on my terms than have her trying to shoot me in the throat while I take a nap. And it's kind of fucked up, I spoke. I thought you were all in, Regent said. I am, but that doesn't mean I'm an idiot, I retorted. This kind of mind control? Body control. Regent interrupted, his tone bored. Her mind still belongs to her. Semantics. This kind of mind control is pretty high up there on the scale of fucked upness. People are going to respond to that. It might be the nudge they need to start responding to us with lethal force. Think of how different tonight would have played out if Dragon and Miss Militia hadn't held back. Sure, he shrugged. Whatever. I don't know why you're arguing with me. I agree. We should get rid of her. What did you do back in the old days? tile asked. Kept three people I used regularly, with my sister's help. But this is fine. Look, watch. Shadowstalker stood, lowering her hands and arms from around her head, and walked over to the door. She faced Regent. I'm letting you go, he spoke. And then he did. She dropped to all fours on the ground, grunting. A second later, she was loading her bolt, spinning to point her crossbow at him. She stopped before firing. There's a catch, he spoke. My power? Once I've figured someone out, it's a lot easier to control them after. Anytime you come near me, I can do this. I can use my power and retake control in the blink of an eye. He had her raise her crossbow and point it at her temple. It was a tranquilizer dart, but the meaning seemed pretty damn clear. Next time I get control, I'm keeping you for a full day. Maybe two, if I feel like pulling an all-nighter. And here's the funny part. There was no humor in his voice. I'm going to do it even if I'm in civilian clothes. If my power tells me you're in range, you won't even know when it's coming. You're now a liability to the wards, and you won't ever know when or where I'm going to get control again. Unless you leave. Skip town. Join another team. She nodded slowly. The movement was jerky, which was peculiar. Was he giving her limited control of her own movements? Now let's walk you off to the other end of the city before I release you. I don't think you're quite stupid enough to try and follow us, but I think my teammates would be more comfortable if they were sure. Shadowstalker turned and walked through the door. Regent looked at us, shrugging. Good enough? She might be mad enough to come after someone else in our group, but yeah, good. Groove said. Let's go deliver the stuff. We didn't meet Coyle in the underground base and the people surrounding him weren't all the same uniformed mercenaries that had made up his entourage in prior meetings. The meeting place was at the south end of the docks, near the border to the downtown area, and it was closer in appearance to the refurbished, ramshackled building where I reunited with the Undersiders than anything else. The building was an old quadruplex, and it had been reinforced with metal panels, sandbags, and plastic sheeting to keep the interior crisp and dry, much as the other buildings had. Small rooms with bunk beds filled half of the lower levels, with a bathroom, kitchen, and living room taking up the rest. Finding the lower level empty, we headed to the second floor, and found an open space supported by two metal pillars. There were a half dozen mercenaries with coil, as well as a collection of people who looked like they had come from every walk of life. Teenagers, professionals, and two guys that might have been capes. One thin, short guy with brown skin and a tattoo around his mouth depicting a mess of sharp teeth penetrating the skin of his cheeks and lips. The other was burlier, shirtless, and wore a rusty, old-fashioned-looking mechanical rigging around his hands, with a bear trap jaw plate. The frame seemed to set up to hold metal claws around his fingertips, while allowing his hands the full range of motion. He had a spiked collar of much the same style. Coyle sat in a black leather armchair, with a laptop set on the table beside him. Dinah was there, too. She sat at the base of the chair on a cushion just beside Coyle's feet, picking at the threads of her white dress with a dazed single-mindedness that told me she had probably received her candy pretty recently. Undersiders? Tattletail informed me you were successful, despite complications. May I see it? Tattletail stepped forward and handed Coyle the USB thumbstick. He plugged it into the laptop, then turned the computer so the middle-aged man to his left could type away. Data's corrupted, sir. Looks like the download was interrupted at the 97% mark. Can you fill in the blanks? Coyle asked him. Probably. We'll take some time. There's encryption. Good encryption. Maybe a few days with the full team working on it? Most likely it's dragon's work, Coyle spoke. Let's assume it'll take a week, minimum. Perhaps Tattletail will be able to assist. Yes, sir. Priority number one. I want the data on the Slaughterhouse Nine. I felt a chill, but didn't say anything. Was he intending to hire the team? It would be a huge mistake in my book if he was. Regent asked the question for me. The Slaughterhouse Nine? At least some of their members have been seen in town, preying on the locals, disrupting recovery efforts. The recent chaos makes the city a playground for them, Coyle spoke. One of my teams is bound to run up against them soon. How likely is it? Tattletale asked. She tilted her head in Dinah's direction. Can you ask her? I suppose. Coyle put his hand on Dinah's head, stroked her hair, then slid it down to the side of her face until he could place his fingertips under her chin, raised her head to look at him. Pet? It was disturbingly intimate in a way I'd rather not think about. No, not intimate. That was the wrong word for the impression I was getting. Possessive. I looked away. Yes? Dinah asked. Likelihood that one of my groups encounters the Slaughterhouse Nine? Who? He moved to take the laptop, and the middle-aged man stepped back to let him. He typed for a few seconds, then turned it around so Dinah could see. It was a gallery of images. saw. he spoke. The girl on the screen looked barely older than Dinah, maybe the same age as Aisha. The image showed her wide-eyed, a spray of dried blood painted her face at a diagonal. Shatterbird. A dark-haired, brown-skinned woman with a helmet covering the upper half of her face, in a beak shape. I was reminded of Iron Falcon, the boy I tried to help, who died in the Endbringer attack. From what I'd read, Shatterbird usually used her power as the Nine arrived in the city, to maximize panic and terror. I supposed they were flying under the radar for now. Fuck. I'd have to do something about my costume, just in case. Crawler. No portrait this time. It was a still from a surveillance camera. A misshapen silhouette, not even humanoid, in a shadowy area. I'd come across stories about him when I'd been researching possible superhero names for myself. Not pretty. Mannequin. Another long-distance shot. The figure was standing by Bonesaw in the photograph, with other hulking figures within the shadows of the background. He stood almost twice her height, and he looked artificial. His body was in pieces, each section wrapped in a hard shell of ceramic or plastic or white-painted metal. I couldn't be sure. His joints were a mix of loose chains and ball joints, a tinker with a body modification fetish. I couldn't say how much of the transformation was his own power, and how much was Bonesaw's work. The Siberian A woman, naked from head to toe, Her body painted in alternating stripes of jet black and snow white. She had gone up against the triumvirate, legend, Alexandra, and Eidolon on a dozen occasions, and she was still around to talk about it. Or around, at least. From what I read, she didn't talk. Burnscar Younger. Maybe an older teenager or young-looking twenty-something. She looked almost normal, with her dark hair badly cut but then I saw the vertical row of cigarette burns marking each of her cheeks, and a faint glow to her eyes. Hatchet face? This was one I hadn't even heard of. The man didn't wear a mask, and his head was shaven. He looked like he had been beaten, burned, and just plain abused so often that his face was as much scar tissue than flesh, and it didn't look like he'd been handsome to begin with. Jack Slash Jack looked like someone on the attractive side of average. His dark hair cut short and styled with gel. His beard and mustache were immaculately trimmed, so that each had a serrated edge. And his shirt was wrinkled, only half buttoned so his hairless upper chest showed. He had kind of a Johnny Depp look to him, though he had more of a widow's peak, a longer face, and lighter eyes. Good looking if you looked past the fact that he was a mass murderer. He held a small kitchen knife in the photo. There were humans who were fucked up before powers entered the picture, like Bitch. And there were humans who became monsters after they got their powers, like Bakuda. Then there were really dangerous ones, the ones who had probably been monsters before Powers were even on the table, and then they got worse. And if that wasn't bad enough, you had Bonesaw, who was like some kind of artist as psychopaths went, the sort of person that drew other lunatics to her, just because they wanted to see what she would do next. Even that wouldn't normally work as a dynamic, but as I understood it, Jack somehow managed to play them off one another, and keep the group more or less intact. He was familiar enough with the psychology of his group and just plain charismatic enough to keep them from killing one another. Which wasn't to say they didn't. There were only eight members in their group at present, and the turnover rate was pretty damn high, because they had a tendency towards recklessness, infighting, and showy displays. They thought nothing of descending on an elementary school, just because they could. When the heroes came for them, they came with lethal force. Mmm, Dinah said. What is it, pet? Coyle murmured. It's him. Who? She pointed at the screen, at Jack Slash. Him. You're going to have to explain to us, pet. What about him? He's the one who makes everyone die. I shivered. What? Everyone here? Dinah shook her head, her hair flying out to either side. Everyone, I don't understand, can't explain. Try, he urged her. Sometimes it's in two years, sometimes it's in eight, sometimes in between. But if he's alive, something happens and everyone on Earth starts to die. Not that everyone doesn't die anyways, but they die really fast when that something happens. All one after another, and in a year, almost everyone is dead. So I said everyone, if that makes sense. And a few live, but they die pretty soon after anyways. And, shh, pet, I think we understand what you're saying. Quiet now, unless you think of something important. We need to consider this. Silence reigned for a few long seconds. You could have heard a pin drop. His power isn't all that, I don't think. Gru spoke, slowly, as if considering the words as he spoke. Space warping effects, so any blades he was holding have an edge that extends a horrendously long distance, all with the optimal force behind the swing. Swings his knife, cuts through an entire crowd. Doesn't make sense that he'd be able to murder everyone on Earth. Unless he somehow cuts the planet in half, Tattletail mused. That was disquieting. No, Dinah spoke. He doesn't. I think we need more numbers if we're to understand this, pet. What is the likelihood that he succeeds in this, to one decimal point? 83.4%. You said if he's alive. What if we killed him, now, to one decimal point, if I use my power? chance someone kills him before he leaves the city, if you use your power. It doesn't happen until 15 years from now if you do. So it still happens, Coyle asked. Yes, always happens. Tattletail spoke up. He's the catalyst for something else, then. Is it always successful, pet? This something that kills everyone on Earth? She shook her head. Not always, not all the way. Sometimes more people live. Sometimes hundreds, sometimes thousands, sometimes billions. But millions or billions always die when it happens. If I were to send the travelers, how likely would they be to kill him? My head hurts. Please, pet, this is important, to one decimal point. 22.6%, 30.9% chance some of them die. And the Undersiders? chance they succeed. 55.4% chance they die if they fight those people. Coyle sighed, then straightened. He looked at the middle-aged man, handed him the computer. I strongly recommend you get what information you can on the group. Any details in the PRT records could be invaluable. Lose sleep if you have to. The man took the laptop, swallowed, and then offered a quick bob of his head. The others in the assembled group around Coyle looked just as alarmed by what they'd overheard. We should contact the local heroes. Gru spoke. Let them know what's up. Coyle nodded slowly. I'll look into it. That said, I think the numbers illustrate one thing. You were not equipped to fight this group. If you encounter them, you... Sixty percent. Dinah muttered. Sixty percent, pet? Sixty percent chance the Undersiders encounter some of those people. Coyle turned to look at us. So you're likely to encounter them. When that happens, you run. cede any territory. Abandon any job. I'd rather you were alive than successful in a job. Got it, Gru spoke. In the meantime, we move on to the next phase of my plan, Coyle spoke. You may be wondering about this location, how it is similar to the new headquarters I provided you. I have outfitted these areas to be your stations, points from which you will operate, work to seize and keep territory. I have several more. If you're amenable, I will have each you take one of these stations for yourself. Gru, this would be your station, shared with him, which I assume is all right. Gru looked around. Big place and lots of beds for two people. More on that later. Rest assured, I can provide staff, help. I expect you'll wish to find and recruit people of your own. Contact me about funds. I will ensure that anyone you hire is paid well. Gru nodded. Regent, your territory is near Gru's, close to the water. Regent nodded. Bitch is absent? Interpersonal stuff, Gru replied. She'll be back. A shame. Your other headquarters where I moved your collective belongings. That will be her station. Barker and Bider here showed up for the Enbringer fight, and I got in contact with them. They, alongside... These three young individuals, he gestured to the two parahumans and three college-aged kids who looked rather intimidated, will work under her. Barker and Biter profess to be fearless and should have little difficulty managing the dogs, even when Bitch's abilities are at work. The men and the young lady I provided have some degree of training in veterinary medicine or handling dogs. Let her know this. She is free to accept them or refuse them as she sees fit. Gru looked over the five people who would be bitch's henchmen, nodded. Tattletale. I've set up quarters near Lord Street, in one of the ABB's old locations. I assume your teammates will want to be in contact, and this area is both accessible, and it can reach any other area readily. The area is already furnished with computers, and you'll find staff there, people who are capable of gathering information, be it from media, computers, or the streets. You'll also find a small force of mercenaries that I've assigned to you, so you can act on that information where you see fit. Cool! Skidder, I have set up quarters near the south end of the boardwalk. Reconstruction and repair work is still ongoing there, but if you will be patient, it may well be one of the more lucrative locations when things are up and running again. I nodded. That wouldn't be far from my old home, close to our old hideout. Did that mean something? Did he know who I was? Or had Tattletale suggested it? I felt uneasy about that. Regent, grew. Imp, and Skitter, I realize I have not detailed any employees to you to begin with. I leave it to you to start this task for yourself, to decide what you need and how you intend to operate. Once you have decided this for yourself, let me know, and I will endeavor to help you fill the blanks in your individual operations. As you leave, you'll receive emails of the locations of your individual headquarters. For the time being, all I require from you, for now, is that you establish order and assume some measure of control over your territories. There were nods all around. Your payment for tonight's job will be in your account shortly, with a bonus for the obstacles you face. Any questions? Any topics you would like to raise for discussion? A few questions, but I figure I'll see what's up with the new roles we're taking, Guru replied. Then I'll ask them. Good. I've got something I'd like to talk to you about. I spoke, augmenting my voice with the swarm's noise to mask it. In private. Yes, that's fine. I was hoping to have a private conversation with you anyways. Anyone? Anything else before we part ways? Nobody had anything further to say. Gru and the others turned to leave, and the crowd around Coyle followed them soon after. One of Bitch's henchmen, Barker, was it? leered at me as he passed, dug his hand into his groin in some sort of scratch or lewd gesture. Lovely. He'd get along great with Bitch. When the group had left the room, I could hear noises downstairs as they moved around the house. Or maybe it was Gru, checking his new place. I was left alone with Coyle and Dinah. I wasn't sure I liked that our group was being split up like this. The timing seemed bad. I'd sort of been hoping I could repair the divide, and that would be hard if we were each in our own territories, doing our own things. I'd cross that bridge when I came to it. I heard about the incident at the hospital, following the Endbringer attack. I nodded. Tattletail told me that you know I was fully informed about your true nature. Yeah. Did she explain how? I shook my head. She told me about his power and confidence. Well, I suppose I may share that detail at some point in the future. You understand my desire to keep certain things private. Yeah, no, I get it. It makes sense, it's smart. Hm. he murmured. He turned to his pet stroked her head like one might with a dog or cat. She stared down at her dress, picked at a thread that was sticking out, stretching it out long. The thread snapped, and she let it drift from her hand to the ground. Then she started picking at another. Coyle interrupted my observations. So, you wish to discuss something? Yeah, I've made a decision. Do tell. Before, back in the limousine, you asked me what I wanted out of all of this. What I desired from my deal with you. Yes? I asked you to fix the city. You told me you planned on doing that anyways, that I should ask for something else. And you've decided? Yeah. I took a deep breath. Dinah, your pet. You want me to release her? I'm afraid... I hurried to cut him off. No. He stopped, tilted his head slightly. I swallowed, felt an ugly feeling in my gut. I know she's invaluable to you. I know how useful her talent is, and the lengths you went to in getting hold of them. I don't like it, but I get it. He didn't respond. He just stared at me. His mask-lacking eye holes, just black cloth stretched over eye sockets. I... All I'm asking is that you let her go when you've done it. When you take this city, when you've succeeded in your plan, you release her to go home, to her family. If you do that, I'll work for you. I'll try harder than anyone to get this city under your control. And then I'll work for you as long as you'll have me afterwards. I'm afraid, Skitter, that this deal doesn't quite balance out. I intend no offense, but my initial impression is that my pet is far more valuable to me than you are. No. My heart sank. But I can accept it, he spoke. Provided you prove to me that your talents are worth losing hers. I admit. The active assistance you can provide might prove more useful when the city is firmly in my grasp, when I have less to be concerned about in terms of day-to-day operations. I nodded numbly. Anything else? I shook my head, then turned to leave, wordlessly. When I went downstairs, Tattletale and Regent were already gone. Maybe they were checking out their places. Gru and Imp were in the living room, opening crates of stuff to see the supplies they had available. I wasn't up to talking to them, or explaining the recent conversation. Leaving the building without a word, I sloshed through the water. I realized my fists were clenched, and my glove was sticking to itself, thanks to the residual containment foam. Annoying. I wondered if I could scrub it off. When I peeled my fingers away from the glove, I realized my hand was shaking. I took a deep breath to calm my nerves. I could do this. Whatever I had to do, I was going to help that girl. Hi, this is Snagger. You just finished listening to a chapter from Arc 10, Parasite, from the web serial Worm by Wildbug. This production is brought to you by the Worm Audiobook Project. If you would like to know more about us or to volunteer your own services, please check us out at audioworm.rein-online.org. You can download or listen to every chapter directly from our site, or you can find us on iTunes or any podcast app under Worm Audiobook.